with uh, Mike Judge. <laughs> Score! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, perhaps his best known work is the hit motion picture event of, like, I would say the decade. Shrek and its sequel, Shrek 2. Oh my god. Do not get me started about those. Those are some of the greatest. Great. My favorite part pictures. is when Donkey's like, hey, I'm gonna make waffles. <laughs> and Shrek's like, get out of my swamp. <laughs> it's, it's all great. great yeah, no, those great are movie. iconic lines. Classic really. lines. And they are yeah, all star. Hey, now, I'm yeah. a rock star. Yeah, Smash Mouth. Get an all star. Yeah, the yeah. all stars. Mouth Play. Smash. Yeah, yep. that's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. rock and roll. And um, back to where we were at. John, we have to. Yeah, we, we got to leave Shrek for uh, maybe it'll be a bonus pod later. We'll do Shrek after yeah. we do Kung Fu Panda, of course. We need somebody with a PhD to cover Shrek. Yeah, yeah, it's a genius piece of work. Uh, John Rice directed this episode. He was longtime King of the Hill director and animation department. Um, he also worked on The Good Family after this, as well as Rick and Morty, Bob's Burgers, and he's currently co-directing the Angry Birds movie sequel. Not as good as the Shrek sequel. No. Even though I haven't seen it yet, I can just call it. You don't need to see it. Shrek 2? Uh, the Angry Birds 2. Oh, I haven't seen Angry Birds 1. Well, either way, you don't need to see them to know they're not as good as Shrek. Probably. Or Shrek sequels. Probably, right? Shrek 3, we don't talk about. It's called Shrek the Third. So I guess I'll just move right into the synopsis, seeing as how our spear looks a little dull today. I was going to ask you quickly, um, for the writers of this episode, you said they've written quite a few. Was there any other ones that stuck out that you, did you take a look at, or something for another time? So yeah, this is the only one they actually teamed up for, but previous to this, Joe Stillman from Beavis and Butthead, he wrote Square Peg, the second episode, the sex ed one. Right. And uh, he also wrote Peggy's Headache, Good Hill Hunting, and uh, John Collier. This is his first uh, writing credit for King of the Hill, but some other notable ones he did was uh, Husky Bobby. Remember that one? That's a good one. That's they're a, all, all good ones. Yeah. These guys are great. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty memorable King of the Hill writers. When Bobby is caught trying a cigarette, Hank decides the proper discipline is making Bobby smoke an entire carton. The result sparks an old smoking habit of Hank and Peg's as well as a new habit for Bobby. So that brings us to the episode. Yeah, there's no cold open in this one, so we yes. just get right into it. So we get the intro to the episode is just Hank in the shower. Oh my God, I love this. <laughs> this grout is supposed to stay white for 20 years. What's it been, 17, 18? Peggy, where's that receipt? <laughs> Leave it to Hank to keep a receipt for 17, maybe 18 years. Well, like, he knows he needs that 20 year. He's going to keep it for at least 20 years. Well, yeah, if it's got a guarantee, he's holding on to that. That that sucker's got a filing cabinet. It's money in the bank. It almost seems surprising, though, for Hank because he's so meticulous with maintaining things. Like, he, you, like I wouldn't put it past him to re-grout that shower, like, every year or every couple years. But I guess maybe that's... No, he cleans it so he doesn't need to because he knows in 20 years he gets that free regrout. And if you regrout it, voids the warranty, man. You know, he's a smart he's a smart guy. He's playing the game. He's playing it right. But, of course, Luann comes in with one of her classic fucking one-liners. Your dog ate all my cruelty-free makeups. Okay, honey, calm down. If she tries it again, you just give her a little tap on the fanny with the rolled-up newspaper. I spent extra money to buy cruelty-free. I'll do a lot more than tap her. <laughs> I love the irony. Of course. 
just soaked in Luann's sassy voice and just <laughs> dumbass. Makeups. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's plural. She ate more than one. <laughs> Luann's my favorite. Yeah, I know she's your favorite. We all know she's your favorite. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, we're going to go. It cuts the scene over to Bobby and Joseph uh, taking part in one of the Tip of the Spears' favorite activities, I believe. Oh, dumpster, dumpster diving. diving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't rag on him. He's not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we see Bobby and Joseph at Strickland Propane for some reason. As far as I know, Strickland Propane is pretty far away from Rainy Street, at least like a 15-minute drive. So I guess maybe after school they were dropped off there. And, of course, they're, they're dumpster diving. They're ripping through the garbage. <laughs> Did you notice what they were looking for? I liked. I thought that was funny. What did they find? A spark plug. They found a spark plug. <laughs> Sweet. All we need now is five more of those. <laughs> An <laughs> engine, some tires, yeah. some sort of frame, and we got our. <laughs> they got their death car. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of finding a death car, they find some death sticks. They find a pack of Manitoba one hundreds with a few left in there, and they decide to do not just any. Manitoba 100. The official cigarette of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Wow. Woo! Shouts out RCMP. Uh, <laughs> I actually did do a little bit of research, not a whole lot, and there's never been such a thing <laughs> as any official cigarette of the Canadian Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the RCMP. So... I, the only thing I could imagine is maybe Canadian classics. Like yeah, fair enough. CCs all the way. So my guess is that Enrique smokes Manitoba 100s. That has to be the guy that threw him away. The right? Yeah, I'm getting nods across the table. Well, yeah, yeah. I didn't actually realize we were at uh, Strickland Propane. I didn't either until uh, Running Bins pointed it out. But I did realize the... Did you guys see the uh, billboard in the background? No, tell me about it. The billboard in the background... Is uh, for Ugly's Saloon. Oh, no way. Yeah. It says country dancing at Ugly's Saloon. Nice. I hope we I hope we make a trip back there. I mean, don't spoil it for me, but I hope we do. So anyways, Hank, uh, I mean, when I first saw it, I thought they were at a gas station just because that's what it looks like. But uh, obviously Hank is there. Yeah, I have here in my notes... Uh, they they smoke the cigarette in the bathroom of the of a truck stop and then I wrote question mark Stuckies. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed they were dumpster diving in the dumpster behind Stuckies. <laughs> well, as far as Grandpa Cotton Hill is concerned, they are smoking at a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's funny that they go inside to do it. Like you think they just go around back, but like I guess insides where they can't be seen, but like. That's where you're gonna get noticed. If it if it's at Strickland, it makes way more sense to need to hide that much. Like I don't. There are a bunch of around a bunch of propane tanks. You think Hank would be that much more mad if they were smoking like behind a propane? Tank? I just meant because his dad's there. Oh right. I just meant like if it was just Stuckies, then you just go behind the building. Yeah, both are valid points, and uh, it must be Strickland because yeah, that that makes sense to them hiding. Es esta Juan ocupado. Si. Bobby, is that you? <laughs> C is Spanish for yes. So Bobby's mom is a substitute Spanish teacher. And that's all he could come up with. <laughs> There's not even an accent. 
So, of course, Hank barges in through the door and sees Joseph and Bobby in there. And with uh, and Bobby's got a cigarette hanging from his lip. And it's nice to see Joseph again. He is such a good compliment to Bobby. He makes Bobby that much more funnier. The two of them together are just so dumb and <laughs> funny. I, and I just I love Brittany Murphy's oh, like, yeah. voice for it. It's awesome. Yeah, she she does good work. And, of course, Hank is absolutely mortified. And he's super mad. And um, we move to back at the Hill House. And Hank and Peggy are giving Bobby the gears about the, the dangers of smoking. Luann can overhear Peg berating... Bobby about it and says, Do you want to be trailer trash? Only trailer trash smoke these days. And Lou, Lou Ann cries and runs away. He goes, I don't smoke. <laughs> like, of course, that's the one line she hears. And of course, she is trailer trash. But uh, it's so funny just because uh, after that scene, Hank. Hank shows what good parenting he has and forces Bobby to smoke a whole carton, 200 cigarettes. And I like just before that, while Hank is still yelling at Bobby, he calls him Joe Camel. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my new nickname for smoking dart whenever he's... <laughs> Anyways, it's just so funny that you get to see the direct comparison between Hank's parenting and then Dale's parenting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. I'll never smoke again. Whoa, hold on, son. <laughs> I want you to keep an open mind so you can make an informed decision. He gives them two books. One's the government's view on smoking and the other is from the tobacco company. There's actually a deleted scene from this where uh, Dale continues to read no. from the tobacco company one to Joseph, and it's pretty funny. It's that's, good. that's awesome. I like that um, he calls it, what, a bloated government report on yeah. smoking, and it's yeah. like this boring dictionary-looking book, and then the, the Tobacco Corporation's book is like a colorful pop-up book <laughs> featuring Puffy the Cigarette. <laughs> For God's sakes, Bobby, what nationality are you? American. Then why are you holding your cigarette like some kind of European Nazi in the movie? And like directly after this quote, Bobby says, why does it matter? Which is so true. Like, why does it matter? Like, he's, this is a punishment, but you can tell that it's grinding Hank's gears that he, if you're going to do anything, you got to do it properly. But you can also just see in Hank's face that he wants a cigarette so bad. <laughs> it's just oh, driving yeah. him nuts watching his son butcher well, his he has to He has to show him how an American holds a cigarette. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of likes it. Yeah, and then he's, yeah, before we know it, he's like, I got like 10 butts in front of him. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he's leaning back doing tricks with his cigarette Flicking it into his mouth. Yeah, so you got to get your thumb under the filter. And so, yeah, I guess they power through these cigarettes. Yeah, Bobby goes through nine packs. Mm, I'm, Hank helps. And Hank helps. <laughs> Hank probably, yeah, he smokes at least two of those packs. I don't know, but or, yeah, he smokes a lot. He's, he's chain smoking at one point. He butts one out and lights the sack. And that seems kind of strange to me, right? Because, you know, we've all smoked and stopped smoking at different times. And, like, I go a month without a cigarette, and then I have one, and it's just like you know, like huge head rush and Hank just hasn't smoked in potentially like 13 years. And he just smokes like two packs and he's sitting in the sun in one afternoon, like a champ. And of course, Bobby barfs with one pack left. Yeah. And Hank's not going to throw that pack out. No, it's wasteful. Of course not. You know, so he's going to keep it. I like how Hank after the, immediately after Bobby pukes, he's tells him to hose it down <laughs> and goes out in the alley bragging to the boys about his, how his method works. You see, raising a boy is like fixing a radiator. You don't talk it into working right. 
You have to take it out back and flush it clean. I think his last one was a carburetor, and it was about Luann, correct? It, it was fun, like fixing a carburetor. Oh, we're on the same level here. I was just about to bring that up. I'm so glad. Yeah, no, it's so fucking funny how, like, Hank has no real personal people skills. It's just all cars and all guy stuff. And, the and like, he's not wrong, though. Like, that's a pretty common parenting like shtick to if you see your well no if you see your son smoking you make him smoke a pack right like smoke up johnny like i was wondering about this because i'm i'm actually right now i'm trying to quit the smoking this was a hard episode to watch it was a hard episode to watch yeah um and i did have the i did wonder like does the does that do you think that would work? Would that work for you guys? Well, like if your dad caught you smoking, if our dad caught you smoking, mm-hmm. would he, and he sat you down and said, smoke this whole pack in front of me, would you quit smoking? You, you say pack? I could do a pack. But like I've gone to fun things on the weekend where you buy more than one pack and then you smoke them all. And when you get back, I don't know about you guys, but like I don't have another cigarette or very minimal for like four to five days there's a grace period where it's like i don't even want the smell i don't want to touch it when it's in my mouth unlit i'm like Ugh. but time passes and that feeling fades and i'm jonesing again yeah but i mean i yeah i don't think it would i don't think it would have i don't think it would have worked no i don't think it would have worked Temporary yeah i think i'm the same way as you uh as you dustin um I'll usually wake up Sunday morning with a couple stragglers left in my pack, and I usually don't feel the urge to touch them till around podcast night, which is <laughs> Thursday. But if my dad sat me down and tried to make me smoke a carton, I would probably, like, being 12 years old... I, no beers. Yeah, no beers. That, that'd be tough. I, uh, I think, like, the whole, like, situation would be that much more, like, overwhelming to me. Like, I'm sure, like, I could probably smoke, like, five. And then I'd just be like, stop making me do this. Everyone's looking at me like, mm-hmm. and like, I don't think it would ever get to the point where I would smoke more than like four or five, but I don't know. I think I'd, I'd probably stop for like a good, like six months. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think I would be disappointed with how much I could disappoint my father with this. <laughs> That's... Yeah, I've been there. I was, I was the disappointing one. <laughs> Yeah, see, I slid under the radar. Yeah, because I, you couldn't have been worse than me. And you know what? I thank you for that. Yeah. I remember when Mother found the, just the plastic wrapper from the bottom of the cigarette pack. She's like, what is this? I was like, I bought a pack of menthols. I like to smoke meth before I smoke a joint. I don't know how I thought that was better. She's like, oh, okay, you don't actually smoke? I'm like, no, only sometimes. And they're menthols, so... Yeah. The, the mother always just turns into like Sherlock Holmes when there when there's like contraband around. Like yeah. it was the same with me. I don't remember how old I was. I was like 13 or 14, and I was with the boys on the mainland at a lacrosse thing, and we got some like cigarellos, prime times, cat blacks, oh, whatever you want to call days. them. And I had them in like a little metal like secrets tin or whatever, and there was nothing left in there, just some ash. And my mom found it and was like, "What is this?" And I was like, "I don't know, an empty tin." You're like, don't play smart with me, boy. <laughs> I remember one time I had like less than an eighth of weed in my backpack (laughs) and I guess mom found it and like it like, you know, when you do get caught with that and you're like, oh, I'm holding on to it for a friend. Like I was 
actually holding on to it for a friend. <laughs> no, you were not. Yeah, so I got to school the next day, and I'm like, oh, here's your eight the weed back, because, like, he let me smoke some of it. And then I, like, reached my backpack, and it wasn't there, and I was like, oh, no. And he's like, what? And I'm like, my mom definitely found it. And I was not allowed to hang out with him for a while after that. <laughs> Did your mother know this friend? Because before I was uh, good buddies with the tip of the spear... <laughs> Always blame it on the friend your parents don't know. <laughs> like, always. Like, my mom, like, picked me up from a party one time, and she said, well, you smell like smoke. I was like, yeah, freaking Lucas. <laughs> Tip of the spear. Yeah, God, Canada. I never stopped smoking. Yeah, this is smooth. <sighs> this is like Manitoba honey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're back. <coughs> this brings us to the next scene, obviously. So we get Bobby and Hank are both laying in their beds. They're Jones in. And uh, Peg just tries to have a nice conversation with Hank. And he is just not having it. He's got no time for this. And he thinks he's left the blender on. <laughs> so, he, so he sneaks outside. And I believe we get like this... Really cool shot here. It's a really nice overhead view, kind of bird's eye of rainy, rainy street. And uh, it's just something that Benz and I noticed when we were watching this. We're like, man, like this is some this is some steps towards um, some real animation here. Like, um, but yeah, this scene was cool, and it was I think like pretty unique, like to King of the Hill in animation. At least you know maybe at this time frame, I don't remember seeing. A scene like that before so I think the closest thing that we get is the very first shot of the very first episode where we do an overview of Rainy Street you're but right it, that's but like even the most then, similar but even yeah you you're right but the focus then is still on like the fly or something the mosquito yeah, that flies down yeah you're exactly right so it's like a different angle but it is a wide yeah it is a wide panning shot what it reminded me of, which, I mean, you could do this with a real-life shot if you wanted, but when you were talking earlier about The Simpsons, how they had to have one scene where they make it animated, mm -hmm. this reminded me of that, where it's just like, this: if this was The Simpsons, they could chalk that up to being the one scene that they could do through animation, because otherwise they maybe could not have, or it would have been too expensive to. Like True Detective. Exactly. Like that awesome scene in that episode five. That scene is awesome. It if is you haven't awesome. seen the first scene yeah. of True Detective, go watch it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's cool. There's a lot of kind of, like, the music in this one, it's very detective-y. Like, we were talking about it earlier. It's, it's quite, jazzy. Yeah. It's, it's smooth. Like it's, the Manitoba 100s, official cigarette of the RCMP. And so, yeah, so then we get Bobby. He's at school and trying not to think about smoking, but he's holding his pencil like it's a cigarette, and he sees the oddest billboard. I love this billboard. <laughs> <laughs> it is recess cigarettes. Take a break for flavor. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so fucking hilarious. Like, there must have been some day that that was, like, a thing, though. Oh, there must have been. It's like, nowadays, like, you can't have any smoking advertisements, but, like, one time in history, that must have been a thing. You know what I learned this weekend? Tell me. They don't have menthol cigarettes in Canada any longer because of the appeal for children. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually known that for a little bit now because, I mean, I actually enjoy a menthol now and then. But 
I am no, no longer more. allowed. I was just down in Seattle, and we were supposed to pick some up, but we didn't. American cigarettes are really bad. Yeah. That's why Bobby Smoke and Manitoba 100 is the official cigarette of the RCMP. So Hank, and then so just at the same time as Bobby's having a hard time with his Jones, uh, Hank's at work trying to control his Jones in, where he's got the label maker. Yeah, it literally <laughs> labeled everything. It just seems a thumbtack with a thumbtack in it. Yeah. So this, uh, the next scene is the debut of Strickland Hispanic truck driver Enrique. Uh, this is his only appearance in season one. It's apparently only his only speaking role. Um, until uh, like season seven, I think he's in. He, like he's kind of scattered through like the earlier seasons, but he doesn't speak again, which I thought was kind of odd, because I always remember him being more of a more of a character, like mainstay character at Strickland. He was voiced by uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right. It's hard. Eloy, Eloy. It's E L O Y. I don't know how you pronounce it. I think it's Eloy Casados from '97 to '99, and then he's voiced by Danny Trejo um, from 2002 to 2009. Machete. So. Danny Trejo, it's it's only a couple um, episodes in the earlier seasons that Danny Trejo uh, actually voices Enrique, but then we meet Danny Trejo again in season five for another great character that we'll talk about when we get there. And times got hard after NAFTA sent the piñata jobs north. That's quite a story, Enrique. I like stories. I like stories about piñatas. In fact, I like everything you have to say. Let's me and you visit your hometown sometime the way you had the courtesy to come see mine. <laughs> it's funny this cigarette is like just turning Hank into like the most bubbly social person ever. It's like he just smoked a joint or like is yeah. drunk at a party or something. I know, I was That's like, a great story. <laughs> I was like, this sounds like somebody who's just done cocaine with somebody yeah. all night. Like, <laughs> like there's two two things that I noticed. Like you're right about the first one, but like the first line that he has, like NAFTA sent the sent the pinata jobs up north, like it kind of flew under the radar at first, but I was just like, that's so fucking funny, like that's so good. And Hank totally doesn't acknowledge it because he's just like, you had the courtesy to visit my country. No, 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 no. We had to find another pinata job. Ended up in propane, but that's the way of the world. But the second thing is like, I have noticed that like I can make a friend just over a cigarette. Yeah, you're totally right, because when Hank comes out in the scene, uh, Enrique is already smoking, like, way too close to a propane tanker truck and, like, the propane tanks itself. So when he sees Hank come around the corner, he throws it onto the ground. Hank picks it up and starts smoking it. And you can totally tell the relationship prior to this moment has been, like, Hank's a true boss, a disciplinarian, like, do everything by the book. But no, now he's back on the nicotine, and they're best friends, and yeah. Now they're boys. Yeah, he says a line that I think I'm probably going to reuse at work. I mean, like, I, I've said it before in variations, but what are, what's a rule if it's not worth breaking once in a while? Because <laughs> that's a great point, Hank. The most contradictory Hank Hill statement Hank Hill has ever said. <laughs> I noticed that, too. I was like, that's totally unlike Hank. These cigarettes are turning him into a different man. Do you think... If Peg sat Hank down at this point and made him smoke a carton of cigarettes, he'd have been done. I'm going to be honest, and I think it's going to be the same situation as earlier, um, where Peggy's watching Hank, and she's like, no, 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 let me show you how to do it. And then they both just go right into it again. You're probably right. Because she does, just after this, just about as Hank's saying that he should have Enrique to meet over to meet his family... Peg shows up 
and asks him to go for lunch. And he hides the cigarette. I don't know why he didn't already drop yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, is, like, you could have just dropped, like, when you're getting in the car, you have the right hand on the door, left hand, drop it, put it out, and get in the car. But no, 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 he puts it above the car, like. And then he flicks it. Yeah. And Enrique does, like, a dive and catch it. Dios mio. And uh, in, I was watching the deleted scenes, deleted and extended scenes. I guess this was an alternate scene. Oh, okay. But, like, when Hank threw it, it didn't show Enrique dive and catch it. It just showed the car drive off and in the background, an explosion. Like, because the show's realistic, there would have to be so much more of the episode, or at least one to two scenes True. of Hank being in trouble or at least responding to that. Yeah, you can't just, du- you can't, there's always uh, repercussions to actions in King of the Hill. That's like what we talked about in Hank's Unmentionable Problem. This isn't Family Guy, not everything's back to normal at the end of the episode. It's like a continuation. And yeah, I don't know what Hank was thinking, taking that cigarette to the to the car with him because I became an expert over the years with various girlfriends, my mother, uh, my sister, anyone, when you come around a corner and you're like, shit, you're smoking, like you palm it yeah, and then you distract him and you drop it and you step on it. You don't yeah. carry it to the car. Like the only reason that I could see he would do that is if he was going to sneak another puff while he was in the car. And I thought that's when Peggy was going to find out. But lo and behold, he just lights one up in the diner for lunch. Like, it's casual. I remember when I was, when my mother first caught me red-handed smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and I, it actually, funny that this keeps coming up. Are you still up. in diapers at this point? <laughs> <laughs> did I you was... look her in the eye and finish it? <laughs> I did, actually. I did. Oh, no. I did. I actually You're a did. Terrible. No. Son. So I. Uh, it's funny this keeps coming up, uh, but I mean it is King of the Hill, so Texas is is a good. Uh, Texas is a reason. I um. I saw so when I was in. I was. I think it was eighteen. I must have been eighteen, because I was in. We were in Texas, San Antonio, and um, we were staying at this resort, and I was like really excited that in Canada you can't buy cigarettes until you're nineteen. But in America, you can buy them at the ripe age of 18. Right. So I was super excited. I went and bought myself a soft pack so I could flick them out nice. of Marlboro Hunters. Are those the reds? The reds. Reds, yeah, reds. I bought reds, yeah. And uh, Cowboy shit. Yeah. And so I was super cool. I was out there in the desert, and I was just sitting on this little like lawn chair reading a book. And this was nighttime because I was like – just going out and sneaking cigarettes whenever I could like get away from the family long enough. <clears throat> and then I, uh, I was sitting there reading a book and smoking my Marlboro hundred and just by chance, my mother walked by to go to the front desk or something. And I was like, and then she just comes around the corner and I'm just inhaling this long hundred cigarette, like oh, just no. and she looks at me and I'm just like, I'm caught. So I'm not, I didn't like put it out or anything. And she just like, just kind of gave me a look and was like, what are you doing? Like she didn't even yell. She didn't, she just I'm uh, reading my stories. Yeah. <laughs> when in Rome, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so funny because like, I like he did a really good job of hiding it because I went on that same trip with him and I never saw them. So well done. Yeah, I did my best. The act of smoking itself is sometimes conceal like concealable, but the smell lingers. Mm. You know, it goes back to the mother having that like they either want to be a detective or the nose of a fucking bloodhound when you're doing something wrong. I mean, right? she knew. Yeah. Like I knew she knew, 
And like I was still trying to hide it, but like I she hadn't caught me red-handed. And I mean like anybody born after 1990, your mom smoked. Like she knows the fucking smell. It like, makes her sick. Exactly. It's funny because when I was watching this episode and it's at the beginning when Hank is making Bobby smoke the entire carton and he goes, well, it wasn't as, I can't remember what Hank says, he goes, well, it wasn't as bad for you back then. Yeah. And I remember my, like, I remember seeing like in my like parents' old photo albums, like pictures of my mom and dad and their friends smoking. And I remember like being like, mom, look, like you smoked. And she goes, oh, well back then we didn't know it was bad. So that's like 86. <laughs> and, and then I read The Outsiders and that takes place in the 50s and they refer to the cigarettes as cancer sticks. So I busted my mom and then I was like a great six but we'll move on from us getting uh, busted from stuff and now we're at the diner and hank and peggy are having lunch and hank fires up a cigarette after his meal and peggy is absolutely shocked and i don't know about you guys but i instantly like the first thing that came to my head i was like oh man he's smoking in a restaurant you can't do that that's why peggy's mad oh no it's the mid 90s you can smoke for the hell you want still that's a that's a really good point because that's the first thought that went through my head too because like I wish you could do that nowadays. And like when I saw him do it, I was just like, man, you can't do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. But you're right. Uh, Peggy gets mad because she's like, we quit 12 years ago. Like you can't be smoking again. Uh, yeah. And then we get a quick cutaway to Luann. <laughs> How do you like that? Hmm? Is your heart racing? Are you upset? Now you know how I feel when you eat my makeups. <laughs> <laughs> makeups. It sounds like she's gonna like run away crying. Oh, but, like, it's oh, brilliant. God. I love it. I love Luann in this episode because like she's like takes everything on. Like she just has this problem going on and nobody cares. Yeah, well, like not even a little bit. And she's just she knows what to do. Like, she just instantly, you know, instead of actually beating the dog, she grabs a rattle can and she knows how to train this dog. And she's alone here. And, like, you can see, I think it really ties it in nice how, like, she is alone on this mission. And then she takes on the mission and doesn't change her tactics. Yeah, she what? just sticks with what she knows. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I just think it's, like, really good for you. Yeah, I think, I think you're right, too, because, like, I, I don't think I saw it coming, but it was a nice tie-in. It was. Yeah, because... I was going to say there wasn't much of a subplot, but then I remembered Luann and that, her like subplot is. is just, is so, it entwines with mm -hmm. the main plot. And it's like, on. it's just so, it's just so simple too, right? It is. And yeah, you're right. They do such a good job of just intertwining it with the problem of the smoking Hill family. And she has four more lines in this episode than most others. Yeah, well, she has to act as, like, the voice of reason, right? Yeah. Like, she has to be the responsible one when they all lose their uh, control. But then we go, we go, I like how Hank actually convinces Peg to join in back on the smoking with Remembering the Good Times. Well, man, with that song, it's not hard. Oh, we get a, we have a, we have a nice little number here by Dion Warwick. Okay. 
The song I'll Never Fall in Love Again by Dionne Warwick is used in this episode. It was released in 1970, but it was written by none other than Burt Bacharach and Hal David, originally for the 1968 musical comedy Promises, Promises. And the song, I thought this was kind of like the most interesting part, is that this song, so it came out in 68, and I guess like it wasn't a massively popular hit. What? But um, it, like it, well, for the musical, it wasn't written, oh, sung okay. by the cast. Like it was. Yeah. And then, um, but from between 1969 and 1970, so that's one year. I guess a total of two years because it's all of 69 and all of 70. Okay. The song was covered 15 times. Oh, my God. No wonder I can't find an original version. Yeah. Holy. I've been listening to Burt for the past week and a half, maybe two weeks. And honestly, like, I could not find an original, uh, not this song, but the uh, What the World need, Needs Now. Well, the original isn't sung by Burt for that that's, one. We discussed that's this, why. yes. Because he didn't have faith in that song. But we're talking about I'll Never Fall in Love Again. So it was covered 15 times in those two years. And like from other artists like Ella Fitzgerald, Burt himself did a cover. Mm. The Carpenters, Shirley Bassey, who does like the James, she did like three of the James Bond songs. Mm. Uh, Chet Atkins and the most successful version being this one by Dionne Warwick. Huh. It like I literally stopped counting after uh like I tried to count how many times it's been covered, but I gave up because it's just like it doesn't matter because it's it's so many times. Yeah, no, like that's that's a that's a lot for yeah. like official covers, not just like people off the street. That's yeah, like no recording in studios oh, and this released is, by this is in like companies. the late 60s where it costs money, money to, to record. record a song. Yeah, yeah. No, no and it's like I just thought that's amazing. Fifteen times in two years. I don't know yeah, what a record wild. is, but it's gotta be a record. Yeah, like that's that's incredible. And so while we're listening to this smash hit by Dion Warwick, we got uh Hank we got a montage of Hank and Peg in the old days just riding the log shoot and uh This is a great montage. I uh, do like it. It takes back um Hank and Peggy are, are parked on the fifty yard line at the football field with some convertible. I don't know who is it or where it came from, but Hank romantically lights up a cigarette. Wait a second. Was that possibly uh Cotton's no, it was it was purple. Oh. <sighs> Okay. Colonel Cotton Hill would never drive a purple car. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, Hank, he's, he's, he's such a romantic. He lights up one cigarette, then he lights up another cigarette, and then he hands them both to Peggy <laughs> <laughs> and lights up two more for himself. Like, I guess, yeah, they were heavy smokers. We didn't know how bad it was for him. It it felt like a smoker's erotica, you know? Like, this yeah. this whole episode, I found myself just scratching my knees and just, like, itching for a cigarette. And this is definitely a smoker's paradise. I was, it, or uh, someone trying to quit smoking's nightmare. I watched this episode five times, and I was like, it got less and less funny. <laughs> and I think the reason I thought it wasn't so funny is because I was like, I'm not smoking. <laughs> I'm not smoking. It really, yeah, it really did feel like watching, like, an episode of Mad Men. 
where like oh it takes God. like yeah. three hours to watch an episode because you have to constantly be like, well, I haven't had a cigarette in like seven minutes. So. <laughs> like, Man, I watched he, I watched that show in my shed. <laughs> oh my god, that was the I smokiest just, shed I've ever I been in. Just sit out there when I moved back to my parents' house, and she's like, "Well, you can't smoke inside here." So I just set up the garden shed with a TV. And yeah, we got to take a little aside. I got to tell you about this shed. It's like a five foot by eight foot box with a couch, a Dutch lazy door. boy chair, a Dutch door, another door, a 52-inch 3D TV. Yeah, 47. Well, whatever. It fell 52. You got a PS4 in there. You got Wi-Fi, and you PS3. got the bong. You can do whatever you want. Me and Denim are smoking weed after school. <laughs> that shed opened me up to so many inhibitions. Yeah. It's My mom was like, you're sure you want to be smoking weed with your brother out there? It's not the best for him. Like, he's, a kid. he's 16. He's allowed. <laughs> Just so, taking control of parenting. <laughs> don't try and church it up for the listeners there, Denim. <laughs> Moving back home, you move back into the shed, son. Yeah. <laughs> I think at that shed we had our first foray into podcasts, maybe. We uh, we talked about some stuff in there, we filmed a little movie in there. That was a fun shed. It was, yeah. And there was a limit, though. You only fit like four people in there <laughs> comfortably yeah. so like for the listeners out there now i live in my brother's basement and it's just like a bigger shed yeah. <laughs> we don't smoke inside here there's more rats though <laughs> <laughs> and garden tools <laughs> uh, all right um, yeah, ironically more garden tools in my house than wherever in that garden shed yeah no doubt but uh i think it's about time for another smoke break <laughs> We'll be back in a moment. Okay, so now we get the scene where they're at breakfast. And, uh, Allie, could you bring me a beer? <laughs> what is that? Can I have one of those, too? Soy sauce. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, Peg comes in and hints that, uh, Sorry. <clears throat> so we have the Hill family at breakfast. And Bobby is uh, eating his sausage, but he's not actually eating it. He's fiddling around with it in his two fingers like it's a cigarette. And, uh, yeah, because he's jonesing over yeah, there. And this must be a weekend because you can remember from Shins of the Father when Cotton is there for breakfast and Peggy has to go to work. So man loses his sausage when man goes to work or when woman goes to work. So I guess this must be a, a Saturday or a Sunday. And so I guess Peg comes in and talks about the grout or the tile. Yeah, there's one dirty tile that they missed. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Hank needs to go check it out. <laughs> And I thought this was actually like kind of cute. Like I don't know about you guys, but I thought this was like a like a funny like little cute thing that Peggy's doing for Hank, and Hank leaves a little bit for Peggy. And it's like when parents spell things <laughs> before, <laughs> before you know how to spell. Yeah, it was like I don't know how they're like they're trying to hide it though. Like they're still smoking in the house. Yeah, like Bobby's gonna smell that, and like you think like Hank loves his house and his bath, like. You know, he's mad about the grout not lasting 20 years, and he's smoking in it. You know, I do think there is something to remember that this is 1997, and it's especially America in 97. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think they were a little bit slower to stop smoking in public places. And I remember my mom said, like, 
Everybody says like you went out in the '90s and came home and you smell like cigarettes, like because no people smoked everywhere all the time. So I just don't think it was as noticeable of a. Sp- I mean, yeah, they are blatantly smoking inside, and we notice that a lot today. But I just kind of think that like people, it was a more like accepted smell back then. Like things just naturally smelled of cigarette smoke. I I, I know when I like smoked around my father, and. Uh, he never smoked, and like, but he grew up around everybody smoking, and it doesn't bother him one bit. Like he could smell, like you could smoke right beside him, and like, I'll, I like, I'll accidentally blow the smoke, and it'll like blow into the air back to his back around him, and I'll be like, oh, sorry about that, and like kind of wave it out, and he's just like, I don't fucking notice it, like I don't give a shit. Yeah, I remember like, um, like similar to the whole family, like my family stopped smoking when me and my sister came around, but my grandpa was the one who always, always kept smoking. And I remember like following him out onto the deck or wherever we were when he was going to have a smoke. Cause I love the smell of it. Like I thought it was great. And, uh, so yeah. So you were like Bobby at the bus stop. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I, I, but I hadn't smoked yet. I just liked the smell. Yeah. So Hank and Peggy are having this romantic morning where they're sharing cigarettes with each other in the bathroom and making a nice breakfast, and Bobby is sitting there just vain, popping out of his forehead. He's so hurt for a cigarette, even though he's only been smoking for like two days. <laughs> yeah. What does he say? Do you have the quote? Will you start talking about your stupid tile? If it's so dirty, go clean it, and if it's clean, you can shut up! <laughs> <laughs> It's just a perfect reenactment of somebody nicking out and just freaking out because they over the top, over the top because they just can't have their cigarette. And uh, I guess over breakfast, they make the plan for that evening to make a romantic getaway to that place with the jazz combo that they used to smoke (laughs) at. What was it called, Miles? Uh, I think it's (laughs) Smokies. (laughs) (laughs) That. And, and then we get, like I said, Bobby at the bus stop inhaling the secondhand smoke. And so there was a delete, like a pretty long deleted scene that I wish was in this episode. So right after he inhales that secondhand smoke and kind of runs away from that guy. Does he try to bootleg cigarettes? He does. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> so, but he goes up there and he finds the nicotines. The narc group. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like just a bunch of preppy sh- guy, preppy teens and like shirts that say the nicotines. <laughs> so they're narcs and they say, Bobby, they, they, they say, let's, this is the last uh, gas station in Ireland that still sells cigarettes to minors. <laughs> Bobby says, where? <laughs> and they like give him the money to try and get him to go in there to buy the cigarettes. He comes back and he says, he wouldn't sell them to me. <laughs> and he says, oh, give me my money back then. <laughs> and then Bobby just stares at him and runs away. <laughs> and the fucking nicotines just follow him. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I remember that scene, and for some reason, like, I must have watched the deleted scenes, like, years ago. Like, when I was watching this episode, I was waiting for that scene, and then I, up until now, I forgot that that was that actually, it was cut out. I, I forgot. I gotta correct myself. They don't send him in to buy cigarettes. They send him in to buy stinko rats. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So... This scene doesn't exist in the episode. That unfortunately, we're, unfortunately, no. Because no, it is Go a good one. Go and buy the DVDs on Amazon. I picked them up for nine dollars each with uh, no shipping. Oh, that's that's a good deal. So we see Hank and the guys are in the alley, and as usual, Dale is smoking. And for the first time, Hank lights up a cigarette. 
Welcome back, friend. I knew this day would come. Dale, get off of me. <laughs> and one thing I wanted to touch on, uh, back to my do's and don'ts of King of the Hill. We need, like, intro music for this, because this is going to keep coming up. We got to yeah. get something catchy. No. Do's and don'ts. With us, All right. Thank you. Let's go to rule number 29. Dale does not... My lucky number. <laughs> so, rule number 29. No smoke on Dale's cigarette. No puffing out smoke either. Now, this episode, I think, calls for it in the script because there's a small bracket in this rule where it says, unless specifically requested in script. And this must be the episode where they wrote that footnote because it is 100% the smoking episode. And if there is a cigarette in this episode with no smoke attached to it, something would be a little wrong, right? But anyways, I wanted to point out because I'm doing my due diligence and finding all of these mistakes because I'm holding the animators accountable. But... Speaking of which, we've already lost track of the amount of times Dale slipped up his sunglasses. So I think it is actually just three. Um, I'll get back to you in the next episode or the next time it happens with how many has happened. But I got a tally going. What I think we missed here is that before Dale is overjoyed that Hank's smoking, uh, Bill and Boomhauer, especially Boomhauer, who is the patron saint of the alley. He's the smart one. He's the wise one. And he starts grilling Hank. Hey, man, y'all don't put that dang old thing out, man. Y'all gonna lighten up like that, man. You're gonna be just like a dang old junkie, man. You're gonna go messing up my head with that dang old secondary nicotine <laughs> like that, man. Do you think Mike Judge actually like writes these lines, or he just starts mumbling in the Boomhauer voice every time it's time for Boomhauer to speak? Oh, that's actually a good question. I feel like just from doing some research on how he came up with a lot of storylines for Beavis and Butthead, and a lot of like a lot of the script for Beavis and Butthead, I think that this is similar to that in that he comes up with it in the booth. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's actually really impressive because you've probably heard listening my impression of Boomhauer. <laughs> I can't get out very many words. It's just a bunch of mumbling and I'm sure it's multiple takes and he probably has a fair idea of something that he's going to say, but you just got to say dang old man really fast. <laughs> and that, like that's Boomhauer. He usually starts and ends every sentence with dang old man. Yeah, Miles, I think uh, around the table, you must have the best Boomhauer impression because you, you put the dang old man in there, but you also throw in Hank and, and uh, Bill. And, and he, <laughs> it's just too... Can I get your best just real quick? Dang old man, Hank, put that smoke on, man. Dang old man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's fucking perfect. I love it. So there's a deleted scene here in the alley where... Dale uh, is so excited that Hank is now back to smoking that he offers him a pack of his cigarettes that he had stolen from Hank's truck in 1985 <laughs> and put them in the freezer to maintain its freshness. Wait, what are you talking about? Okay, in this scene, in the alley, after just after Dale... Uh, finds out that Hank is smoking again. This is a deleted scene. This is a deleted scene. Okay. Dale, like, puts his arm around Hank and walks him back to his house, like, talking <laughs> about this pack of cigarettes that he saved from 1985 <laughs> that he stole from Hank's truck when he was trying to quit the first time. Because he's like, I knew he'd be back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I don't think putting a pack of cigarettes in the freezer works. 
I mean, Dale would know. No, no, I don't. I don't think that's feasible. Fun um, fact: This is actually a cool little side story here. So check the pack of your smokes, guys. Uh, if that cigarette, if that is past date, my friend he bought a pack of expired Captain Blacks and got sent an entire box, not a carton, a box. They sent him a box of like a few cartons. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So now you're like, we are purposely looking oh, for an yeah. expired pack. <laughs> yeah, no, ever since he told me that, I was like, oh, I'm looking for that expired pack. So now. It's if, like a golden ticket. Yeah, pretty much. So if you're not nicking out as bad as we are, we'll move on to. Smokey. Hank, Hank and Peggy on their Saturday night date. Hank's got a nice shirt and tie on. Peggy is wearing her usual outfit, but with a necklace on, I think. And I was curious, is this just Hank's work shirt with a tie or is Hank Hank's work shirt, long sleeve. Hank's work shirt is short sleeve, but it has an oval patch that says Hank on it. So this would not be a work shirt. This would be his, probably, he hasn't worn it since they went to Smokey's 13 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it was. Because it's certainly not the country one from Uglies. No. It's not that one. No. So Smokey's is a bumping joint. It is cool, hip people, hanging out, having drinks everywhere. There is a jazz combo laying down some fat, <laughs> fat bass lines. And Hank boldly says that we would want to sit in the smoking section. So they get escorted through the restaurant by the hostess, and they open a door, and they go into the saddest part of the restaurant you've it's ever so seen. so dank in there. It is. There's no food. I didn't even know if I saw a drink, maybe. It's I, just, saw some, I did see an empty plate of, like, munched on cake. It's a bunch of old fossils wearing visors, just coughing up lungs, and it's just terrible. Do you remember the MGM? I Yeah. That was that, the smoking room there. It, it was exactly the same. It was the, that's the place they had the seniors deal. So the smoke, it, you'd go walk into the restaurant and be like, oh, this place is dead. Then you'd open up the smoking room, and it would just be like exactly like that scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's like exactly, like to a T. Yeah. The only restaurant I can remember that had a smoking section that I went to, like I never sat in the smoking section, obviously, but it was the Zeddy Burger restaurant in Ooh, Zellers, Zellers, which is just so defunct now. Rip Zellers. <laughs> yeah. Americans don't even know what Zellers is. We'll move away from Smokey's because not much else happens there. And we find Bobby in his bed making like a little homemade tent out of his blanket. Is he just going to hotbox that blanket? Like what is he thinking? I don't know. There's no reason for it. Yes. So Bobby's trying to light this dart and he actually lights the blanket on fire to catch his fire. So he's putting out this pillow and the smoke detector goes off. And Hank and Peggy come rushing into his bedroom with cigarettes in their mouths. with cigarettes. And Bobby is stoked. He's so enthused that he goes, hey, you guys smoke too. All right. (laughs) Do I have to take you out back with another carton of cigarettes? I think you do. (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. I think that's probably my favorite Bobby scene in this episode. Because he's, it's just so funny. Just... Because, yeah, that's all he wants. It's deadpan. It is deadpan acting, and that's all he wants is just go back and smoke another carton. Like, that's heaven for Bobby right now. And then we get Luann, who is just upset about this. And uh, I like what she has to say here in her moment of grief, finding out they're all smokers. Oh, yeah. Don't you know that more people die of smoking than die of what in Vietnam every day? I'm begging you, put out your cigarettes and keep them out. Luan made her point, and the family agrees to all go to to a meeting. They go to a meeting. I can't remember what the meeting was called. It was cigarenders. 
right? Yeah, yeah that's what it was. The cigaretters. Enders, yeah. And this is probably my favorite uh, joke in the episode. Like, usually I, I write down a one-liner joke, and this episode I didn't really find one. But the Hank, Peggy, and Bobby are at cigaretters, and it's like an AA meeting, but for cigarettes. And it's everyone's supposed to go around the room and tell talk about themselves. And lo and behold, who's there but Bill? What are you doing here? Well, I, I know you think of me as a pretty-together guy, but <laughs> sometimes I need a little help. Just six nights a week for 20 years. Uh, six, six nights a week for 20 years. <laughs> a little help. God. To be off smoking. God. Like, he's only there because he's got friends. It's the only place... Bill, in the Bill, alley. Bill needs a friend. And you guys notice he's not wearing his uh, his typical wife beater. Oh, yeah, he's got he, a no, long he's sleeve. He's dressing up. He's got a long sleeve. He's going out. On. <laughs> yeah, he's looking for a woman. <laughs> I like Hank's commentary on the guy speaking. I bet somebody's going to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. The The guy running this meeting is like, um, you know, the stereotypical when Hank's in a dilemma, like the last person he wants to see. Like Anybody. I don't think anybody wants to be preached to like that, especially when they're trying to quit something. Yeah. You want you don't want somebody to talk down to you. Like oh. you want them to be like, hey, I get it. I'm on your side. Not like, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to quit smoking. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the worst. The like Hank doesn't take orders from anyone unless it's Buck Strickland. So yeah, he's he's pretty annoyed by this guy and they uh he actually points out to Bobby and goes, it's so nice to have you here be supporting your father. And at least this guy thinks it's his father, not his grandfather, <laughs> like the doctor in Hank's unmentionable problem. But Bobby goes, no, I'm a smoker too. He goes, when did this start? He goes, when my dad made me smoke a whole cart and the whole room, including Bill, turns on Hank. I want a new partner. <laughs> Need a new buddy. Yeah. Now, hold on a minute here. I didn't bring my family here to be yelled at. I don't think I like this club. You all whine too much and the coffee's bad. I tell you what you need to do. You need to take a 13th step down off your high horse. Yeah! I love it. He wins Bill back. Yeah, so Bill immediately alienates himself from his 20 his twenty year safe place, and he's probably not going back because he was cheering for Hank, and he was the only one applauding it. So the, the Hill family shuffles out of this meeting, and it, it pans back to the family having dinner together, and Luann is encouraging all of them to go to continue not smoking and do the best they can with not smoking, and the family just starts losing it on everything. Yeah, she she starts a toast. Here's to three of the bravest individuals in all of Ireland. To the hills and their tobacco-free future. My God, are you still talking? (laughs) (laughs) Fed up. Oh, absolutely. It's so good because it just reminds me of Bobby at the breakfast table smoking his sausage when he's just fed up with Hank and Peggy. I know y'all don't mean none of those harsh words. It's just a nicotine withdrawal. Why is she still talking? (laughs) So the next scene we see Luann using the same tactics that she used on Ladybird with the macaroni in the can. And she just shakes it when Hank goes for a dart. (laughs) Like just training him like a dog. It works surprisingly well. I just, I love it that they... That it just marries the two, like I mean, the sub, the, the, the Luann subplot's kind of been on the back burner. Yeah, we haven't seen much of her in Ladybird for a while. I know. I'd, I'd, I'm more likely to call it a C plot, even. Yeah, more when than there's a, really no B plot. 
Yeah, there's I really... mean, maybe Bobby's nicking is the B plot. Uh, if you want it, maybe yeah. Because like you put Hank and Peggy as the A, Bobby is the B, Luann is the C. That's pretty much the classic. I do King like of the, the strength of it, of it though. That like King of the Hill will write a story that includes the characters in one in in one arc. overarching. Yeah, so it's just like not and. And that's kind of like how you're supposed to do a C plot. Like in Act Two, it's really not like you introduce it in A, you kind of ignore it in like Act Two, and then you bring it back in Act Three. Like that's like the the proper way of doing a C plot is because it's like oh I forgot about it and I'm glad that it's back. Yeah, and like it, like in Peggy Bogglechamp with, with the Luann and Bobby at home. Yeah, absolutely. Like the way I always envision an A B C plot is with the sitcom Seinfeld. Because Kramer is the classic C-plot in every episode. But he's so goddamn memorable. So goddamn memorable. Just like Luann. Right? She occupies that C-plot, and I think if if she was always A-plot, I might not like show as much. But I just love every scene she just shows up, and she's my favorite. When's this thing supposed to kick in? It's not working. It's broken. Bobby, the patch goes on your shoulder. Bobby! Bobby! <laughs> He reminds me of, like, Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a rabid dog, like a <laughs> raccoon or something. Pro tip, shoulder doesn't work very well. Your shoulder's got too much muscles in it, and it moves, like, weird all the time. And where do you put your pack? I put it on my back. <laughs> and then just, like, what I kind of found was weird, like, it worked with the story because, but, because they needed to introduce the rest of the family, but, like... Peggy and Bobby are just like already up and there they walk in and then she's like, look, like Peggy and Bobby. I think they were cured. all around the corner scheming on that dirt. You think so? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they all knew it was like sniff that out. <gasps> so uh, anyways, I guess uh, Peggy gets it in her hand somehow. I can't remember. Well, how- they just don't pay attention because they're all congratulating Hank and then they're like. Where's Peg? Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's ran into the cupboard. I found her. Hello, the damn door. Can't you see that I am knitting? Well, she's obviously not obviously knitting. Obviously not knitting. Like, she's got the cigarette in her hand looking directly at Luann. Like, you're not knitting, Peggy. Like, oh, And, like, Hank and Peggy and Bobby are, like, absolutely insane right now. They're mental. They're not themselves. So, like, it's one thing for Bobby not to have cigarettes, but, like, Hank and Peggy could have been like, screw you. I'm just going to drive to the store and buy some. I'm, I'm an a adult. ass man. I'm going to go buy cigarettes. So they have to wrestle the cigarette out of Peggy's hand. And Bobby finally goes, give me the cigarette. Give me the cigarette. Lose your buddy. Lose your buddy. <laughs> and of course, when Bobby gets the cigarette, he makes a feeble attempt to scurry away with the dart. <laughs> and he's trying to light it up himself. And they start smoking again. And I believe that they all end up getting kind of herded into the master bedroom. She chucks the the dart into the bedroom. Yeah, and they all follow suit in there, and she closes the door and locks it with a bunch of pennies. I know. I have, like, I wondered about that because how does that work? How do you? I think think it's, like, movies. Like it's TV like opening magic. a door with like, a credit card. Yeah, exactly. Like, that doesn't I, work. That's what I was gonna that say. That doesn't work. Yeah, like maybe like some lock made like a hundred years yeah. ago, but I still don't believe it. No, like you might be able to like open an unlocked door with a credit card, but why would you do that? I think the whole thing is irrelevant anyway because there is windows, like in the bedroom. Yeah, like if they really wanted to get out, they could have. I think that was just something. Uh, there for... was a twister or a storm. It or was something. just it was a storm, but. Um, yeah, I also don't believe that the pennies in yeah, the, is, is a feasible thing. Like, I'm pretty sure Hank could just rattle it and they would all just shake down. But I did love what she said 
as she was shoving the pennies into the door. She calls them a, uh, an un, like, she's like, I'm like, I'm KG, like an unruly dog. And then says, I'm, I came from a dysfunctional family. And then just cries, <laughs> function, function, damn you. <laughs> she's at the door. I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. I love it. This is like. That was Luann, like, this is, you're not turning this house into shiny pines. Like, this oh house isn't going to get flipped on its roof. Like, be normal. Like, yeah, love each other. Be normal. Other. Like, take me away from what you took me from. Yeah, so that leaves the family having to do, like, their most primal bidding for this cigarette. Like, the... Oh, a hair of moss. Yeah, it's so good, the lines that they have. I liked it because it goes, like, it's like they're on the Titanic and it's sinking. Peg goes, yeah. women and children first. Like, it's a single cigarette. Who are you trying to kid? We all know there won't be anything left. Let's you and me split it, Peg. It'll be romantic. You know, like the old days. Before he came along. <laughs> he just glares at Bobby. Mama, it's your son. Nine months inside, remember? Those were good times, too. Like, they both try to win Peggy, and then when Peggy doesn't give it to them, they have to, uh, they have to team well, up. Well, I do. Come on, Bobby. You and me can take her. You go high, I'll go low. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. Why would... Bobby go high and Hank go low. <laughs> like, He's not thinking straight. He's not. It is nicotine. It's just for a quick moment here. I'd like just like to point out. Maybe it's because this episode maybe has the most tension between all of like the main characters that we've seen so far. But something about this episode with the voice actors, I thought they did a fantastic job. Brittany Murphy with Joseph and Luann, uh, Stephen Root doing Bill. I can, thought he was great. Can and, we? Like, can you remind me who Stephen Root is in real life? He's Milton. He is Milton. He's Milton from Office Space. That's what I thought. I was told that today, and I was yeah. like, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, right. he's got lots of roles. Like, he's just like all and the he's guys. he's Bill, that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And does he, he do any other voices? Uh, he does Buck Strickland. Oh, not. Mm -hmm. We haven't met him yet. Not yet. And yeah, they sound a lot like. Okay, yeah. I get it. So he's like another Mike Judge, you know, Buddy. circle. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I'm doing this movie. I'm going to write a part for you. Like, I, I can't remember now. I'm. I've had a couple Alamos, but <laughs> I uh, I was I like my friend gave me a list of voices that Stephen Root does, mm -hmm. or uh, voices and roles that Stephen Root does, and the only one that I can remember right now is Office Space. But yeah, that's probably his most notable for people who watch King of the Hill. Yeah, but uh, he's like he's in Seinfeld. I think he's gonna make a cameo in Friends too at some point. Like he's. He's here and there. Anyway, we see the Hill family. They're still squabbling in the bedroom. And a cigarette, because uh, there's a massive storm going on. I don't know if, well, I don't know if we brought that up. Yeah, the, well, we did. The, the storm started, and Peggy's, like, threatening to throw the cigarette out the window because nobody can agree. And, and, and she does. She and throws it, it out. And it, yeah, she loses it. Yeah. And I love how it just goes through the wind, and you see the that uh, – sorry, I forgot to mention that um, – when Bobby met the Nicotines, <laughs> it was because he he tried he went into a store and he tried to buy cigarettes first. And the guy said, How old are you? He said, 17. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was like, You need to be 18 to buy cigarettes. So I was again, how old are you? And he's like, 17. <laughs> he's like, I can't sell any cigarettes, but there's a cigarette machine out back that uh you know that I won't watch. <laughs> and he's just like uh, cigarette machine? Where is it? And he's just like, it's out back. He's like, how old did you say you were? It's like, you're not actually 17. <laughs> and then, like, Bobby goes out back and tries to put his money in the machine, and the nicotines come up, and they, they clip the plug. 
that goes into the wall oh. for the machine. And they're like, now they're not going to sell those stinkerettes. Yeah. And then, and then uh, so yeah, well, the cigarettes fly and it knocks over that, the wind knocks that machine over. Oh. And it knocks over the billboard that says uh, recess cigarettes. Yeah. And then it swings a cigarette into the, into the prison. Uh, where, oh, yeah, that short scene. Where we see four guys just all dogpile into yeah. the middle to fight yeah. over it. They're all fighting for the cigarette. And basically, there's a couple scenes that are kind of patchy, and it's like stop animation or whatever. They see the, well, not stop animation, but like the scenes stop every couple seconds and it's like they're huddled together then they're conf- comforting Bobby and then all of a sudden they wake up the next morning in a pile of blankets and they're all cured from their nicotine affliction and it's the best morning they've ever had I wish it was that easy isn't it the most beautiful day you've ever seen what a day to be alive so I guess that brings us to our final thoughts on the episode to me it felt like this episode could totally be expunged from all existence and there would be no plot holes in King of the Hill. It was basically just like one of those fun kind of off-the-beaten-path episodes where it was just kind of... They just said, like, oh, what if Bobby starts smoking? And then that is the episode theme. And it was, like, it was good. There was good jokes. I think I got a nice little look into Peggy and Hank's past where I kind of enjoyed their love affair a little bit more i kind of was just like oh they actually like did have a lot of fun together and like their relationship actually looks like that of one that i could envision my parents having in a more uh with less cigarettes involved let's just say that mom smoked yeah but dad didn't um but what i mean is just that the episode didn't have a lot of current plot but it did give a little bit of backstory, and it gave some good jokes. There was solid Luan scenes like we would expect. Sad Bill like we Love would expect. Luan. And Smoking Dale like we would expect. And I did... Not as much Smoking Dale as I would have liked. You're right, actually. because he is the smoking Jones of the alley, right? And uh, I do want to just bring back that I'm happy to see Joseph again, too. Because uh, I do like that character as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those episodes that, uh, it could have been gone without and I probably wouldn't have missed it, but I'm glad it happened. I wonder if just kind of a side note, I wonder if like the lack of Joseph scenes has to do with Brittany Murphy being like a very established actress and kind of like maybe using her sparingly. I don't know. I I would contribute more probably to there not being any John Redcorn after episode two, right? Think because so? you don't usually see one without the other. They're always usually intertwined. I, I would since... argue with you and say that it's more Bobby. Like Bobby and Joseph are more of a pair than... Mm-hmm. And I think it alludes to what we were talking about last episode when you brought up your your theory for how the uh, Peggy the Boggle Champ could have been a better episode. I still think that it's just simply too early in the series for having episodes kind of dedicated to Bobby and Joseph where they're still trying to establish supporting characters and supporting cast and things like that. But what were your thoughts on this episode? Well, I, like I say, I was Jones and last night watching it and I was just like, yeah, I was feeling like Bobby at breakfast. Like I was just sort of like, Oh fuck this episode. I don't like it. I found a couple of things I thought was interesting, uh, but I haven't talked about it and thought about it all day here. And 
I mean, it is a good. It's a good episode. It's a good he- story heavy episode. I do like the way that they tied everybody's plot in. I do like to get everybody's opinions on smoking. Like, I think it does. I think just to argue the expunged from existence comment, I do think that this episode does sort of add like, you know, like well, how does Dale actually feel about smoking? Cause I know as a smoker, I feel guilty. Like I don't like that. I smoke when I smoke. Um, so like, but Dale truly does fucking love it. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you know, you get Bill and Boomhauer and even then Bill, like being at the, the smoking meetings six days a week for 20 years. Like <laughs> that's interesting. I think, um, I think there's some fun stuff in this episode. Like I said, there's lots of Luann, so I appreciate that. Um, especially, yeah, especially her plot, uh, I don't know. Yeah, all in all, I just kind of think I do think it's a good episode. I think I would have done some things differently, but not enough to mention like last episode. Mm-hmm. I hear you. For me, I really like this episode. Um, it's it's not like Shins of the Father where it's just like bang, 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 one liners, one liners, one liners, and it's not like Hank's got the willies or the Order of the Straight Arrow where it's like in my mind a complete king of the hill episode yeah. that everyone can at the end of it be yeah. like that was a good show it's not super complete no i, I wouldn't show this to somebody as the 10th episode of this show, se- no, series not at all what what stands out for me is um like the realness to it um and also it was i'm sure it was some sort of innovation like an innovative episode like i never seen the simpsons do an episode about smoking i've never seen another animated show do an episode about smoking and maybe this was like a touchy subject maybe that's why they wanted to punch it out i liked Luann having more lines than she usually does. I like seeing Joseph again. Um, I kind of wish the Super Newsome phones were a part of it. Yeah. Um, I wish yeah. I wish Con was even in there. Connie, even Connie, Con Jr., like, just having her opinion on, like, even, even if she was just, like, to mirror the Peggy thing to be like, oh, Bobby, I hate when you smell like cigarettes. Like, that's gross. Yeah, like, absolutely. It would have added a lot more layers it. And it would have been, it. like, and you, you could have had Bobby be like, uh just lost it like Hank did on Peg. Like, mm-hmm. and he could have just mirrored that. That would have been fun. Yeah. It, there could have been a lot more. Um, I still like this episode and maybe it's because the last episode we talked about Peggy the Bog Champ, I really wasn't a fan of that episode. So this was kind of refreshing to me, but I really liked it and I always will. Now I would like to thank all of you for listening to our 10th episode of the order of the straight arrow we're gonna do one more round table wimatonia if i could wimatonia now we are gonna leave you here with a few kind words from the wisest man we've never met and that's mr boomhauer y'all listen up man this boomhauer it's your lungs on air let your lungs on smoke. See the difference, man? It's going to stunt your growth all over. You end up winding that dang old hospital bed like Morton Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Even worse, man. Yo, think talk about oral gratification, all that dang. It's going to give you low sperm count, man. It's going to ear hair. Yo, it just ain't, ain't no good. Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod, or follow us on Instagram, at Utsakothpod, or look for us on Facebook, at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends, and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Yeah!
Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.